Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Talking Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with Spencer Cowan and Philip Matthew here tonight on Talking Circles. We're breaking down the STP 500 from Martinsville Speedway. It was a dominating performance by Brad Keselowski. He led 446 of the races, 500 laps. The only other driver to lead today, the only other two drivers to lead today were Chase Elliott. He led 49 laps, and Joey Logano led five laps of the race at the initial start. But other than that, it was Brad Keselowski and wow, what a whipping he put, went that back to the woodshed, as they say, and gave him a good old fashioned whipping today at Martinsville speedway, uh, a very good run for chase Elliott finishing in a second spot. That was Kyle Busch, Ryan Blaney, another good day. And Denny Hamlin of the top five here at Martinsville speedway. Um, you know, Brad's an interesting, interesting driver. I think with a lot of people, for whatever reason, Philip, they don't think about Brad Keselowski as a driver who can win anywhere and a guy who can uh, win the championship and, and compete for a championship, compete for wins on a regular basis. But when everything's right in that organization, Keselowski proves that he can go out there and win. And, and it was a killer performance by Keselowski in that two card today. Yeah. I mean, for, I mean, to think about it, this was 29th win of his career. And I mean, 28 of them have been with Penske Racing, and I can't remember a race where Brad, outside of like Richmond 2014, the last race before the chase or playoffs or whatever you want to call it, uh, that's the only time I can kind of remember a dominant, dominant performance like that out of out of him and the two crew. I mean, they there was nobody that was touching them. Uh, I mean, Kyle Busch tried to drive through him literally to try and pass him. And not only did he fail, he then got passed by Chase Elliott and then couldn't get past him the rest of the day. Uh, I mean, it's a huge deal in terms of thinking about the future in terms of later in the year, being that this Martinsville is the first race of round three. And if they could, you know, match that and they're in a position, meaning they're in the top eight in points at that point, and they match this performance, then they're locking themselves into Homestead. And so there's a lot of good that came from this day. Me personally, of course, I'm very happy. Uh, I'm trying to keep it, you know, I'm trying not to let it all, I mean, I, 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 I was worried there, they were going to go and throw a yellow uh, and, and try to ruin it, but they let it go. And I'm glad. Uh, the fact is it was going to be between the two, the nine, the 11 and the 18. I mean, those are basically the four cars that, that showed up and were the yeah. four best cars today. But the sure. two car has two wins, and uh, they're there. And, and the point is, when you consider and it go further back, you think about 2014, you think about 2016, those are two years where the two car was there for a lot of the season, and then things happened late in the year that kind of took them out of that championship run. Uh, this is yet another year where it seems like early in the season they've got a little momentum. Will they be able to get there? Will they be able to get to that final four? That's something that Logano has actually been better than Brad since they made this format change in terms of being able to put themselves in position to get to that final four. Will this be the year that Brad gets to that final four and gives himself a chance to put himself at that next level as a two-time right. cup champion? It's going to be between him and early early returns, or it's going to be between him and Kyle Busch. 
And the yeah. two guys don't like each other very much, and I think it's good for the sport. Yeah, and and there's still a long way to go till we get to the chase in September, the playoffs in September. But it certainly looks that way early, and and that's a very, like you said, it's a very good sign for um, Kozlowski and that team to go out there and do what they did this weekend, just based on the fact that we run here in October, and it's the it's the you know it's a way to where you can propel yourself into that final round if you have to. Um, Spencer, I just want to get your take quick. Chase Elliott, good run for him today. Um, not obviously not the best car, which we know who the best car was. He proved that today, but a, a sign in the right direction for that, at least that nine team. Now, uh, we'll talk about his teammates in a little bit, but I think if you're a Chase Elliott fan and you're a fan of that nine team, you're feeling pretty good today. Yeah, you got to, you know, he had a good run and, you know, he didn't get it, but you know, he, if there was a couple more laps, he might've could have got it, but that's side the point. Yeah. I think it's a good direction for him in that team, obviously, you know, they've struggled a tremendous about, I mean, his teammate seven time champion finished two laps down and that's a little bit unnecessary and yeah. unacceptable for that team. And uh, his teammates didn't run well either. You know, I think uh, the next best car to Elliot from Hendrick Motorsports was probably Byron. You know, he, uh, you didn't hear much about Bowman. I mean, they didn't show him at all. Uh, and the only reason they showed Johnson on TV was because he's a seven time champion and it's shocking that he's two laps down. And a place that he had yeah. so many wins at, I think. How many is it? Nine, I think, or whatever. Nine, nine wins. Yeah, nine wins so, at Martinsville. Um, but if you're a Chase Elliott fan, you need to be happy. And, you know, Larry McReynolds said it easy. Don't be greedy because this is their first top five since Kansas win when Elliott wins. So small steps in the right direction. So uh, we'll see. Yeah, I might have to disagree with Larry on that in a little bit, and I'll explain why. Um but our number here to call in the show, guys, is 917-889-8280. Just like uh, if you want to join the show, like Ben in Winston-Salem. Hello, Ben. Good evening. What do you want to talk about tonight? Uh, I'm doing great, thanks. Um, I was just wondering, and I, I was just thinking, based on the history of this, would you expect a race like this in the fall? I would tend to think not, but I was just wondering your take. Well, it's interesting because today race was, I, I believe, a little bit warmer weather than what we'll see in the fall. Also, yeah. what I liked about what I thought was different about today's race was that we had a middle lane forming. And usually Martinsville's very much on the bottom. And I know Kozlowski was on the bottom, mm-hmm. but Chase Elliott, uh, where he made his time up, especially in three and four, was the middle lane. That's where the groove seemed to go, where the rubber seemed to take. And I don't know if it was just the right side tires, and they, they started to, to kind of feed off that. But that's really where I saw a difference in this Martinsville race. And it was really all weekend. Even in the truck series race, the high lane was still a problem to be in. But you could make passes in the high lane if your car was good enough today. And same thing on Saturday. So I think that's a good, that was a good step in the right direction. That's what I liked about Martinsville today. Where you totally, if you had a good enough car, you weren't totally uh, you know, screwed, for lack of a better term, in the high lane where you, know, you could sort of drive off. And if your car had, had a good enough speed and you were able to handle, make it handle well, um, I think that was something that um, we, we saw this weekend that we might not see that in October where uh, it depends on the weather. I think how, how warm it is. Usually that race is, is very, very cold. I think that's the latest they could run that race at Martinsville. Um, it's always later, later start time. I know today was two, but I think that race is probably gonna be around three o'clock. They end that race at night um, because it's later in the year. So that's all stuff to keep in mind when we get to uh, Martinsville in October. But mm-hmm. what about you, um, Philip Matthew, 
if you want to chime in here, uh, do you think what we saw today is, is, is I know it's Martinsville and, and it's still the same racetrack. Uh, we're probably going to have the same tire and it's the same car, but, but the, it's a lot's going to change from now to October. Do you think this, what we saw today is going to be anything different than what we saw, what we see in October? Yeah, I think that because of this being the first, one of the first races with their new, uh, new package or whatever, that I think that between now and once we get through all the short track races, that'll be the last short track race of the year. There will be improvements made by all teams, including Penske, Gibbs, and Hendrick, and SHR, who were the four teams that were basically up there. Uh, I mean, the people that are going to be up there don't really change over time. It's basically been that way for years. Uh, you're going to see the you're going to see them Gibbs guys with, with Hamlin and then now Kyle Bush. You're going to see Penske with Logano and then Brad. And then today, uh, Ryan Blaney. I think the fact that, that that outside lane was working, I don't ever really remember something like that going on where you're able to really roll like that second or third, like a second lane like that. I don't ever really remember seeing anything like that over all the years that I've been watching race at Martinsville. So I think that is a good sign, like you said. And I mean, with it being colder, will they have a harder time laying rubber down? That's the only question I have with that. Right. Which would possibly make it a low, only a one groove low right on the curb racetrack. But it's to be determined. I think there's going to be a lot of progress between now and October to see where these cars are going to be and where they're going to what the, what it's going to look like. But you know, early signs. I would think that if you're able to roll the high line at a virtually flat flat racetrack, I think it poses uh, it poses it, it bodes well for uh, the next race and in general. How about you, Spencer? You think what we saw today will have any translation in the October's race? Uh, in the playoffs? I mean, I think you guys pretty much said it all. The only thing that I see higher, and it's going to be more aggressive, more tense when it comes down to the end of the race, you know. You know, as an example, last sure. year, Logano wouldn't made that move. He's not going to the championship four because he blew a tire mm-hmm. the next weekend early in the race. So I think that's going to that's gonna be uh, what you have to look out for because a lot of guys you saw today, they had a lot of respect for each other. Like Hamlin pulled over, let him go. A lot of guys are just letting guys go, and you're not going to have that if you have to win. You're not going to see that. You're going to see aggressive. You're going to see bump the bump and run. You're going to see a lot more people moving each other at the racetrack. So it's short track race, so you're going to have that anyways, but it's going to be a lot more than what we saw today. I, I agree. I think we'll see it ramped up a lot here. And somebody I'm interested to see, and I know we haven't gotten to this yet, but is how Logano is going to perform. He sat on the pole, and then you know they lost the handle on that 22 car, and they were never able to find it, and he finished 19th. Uh, anything else you want to talk about tonight, Ben? Yes, I, I actually have a possible. This just came to mind. It's not necessarily Martinsville, but it may be a way to potentially fix the qualifying issue that is arisen at these bigger tracks. I, I'm wondering if NASCAR should consider pulling an IndyCar type deal with their qualifying deal. You know, uh, for example, how they have higher horsepower during their qualifying sessions. It would take That's off the interesting. for qualifying and then put it back on for the race. That's interesting. And there's a couple of things I'm going to say about this. Is one, I'm not a totally big fan of com- a completely different setup um, for qualifying than I am for the race. I think, you know, we should kind of keep the rules the same. That's one. 
And two, and I'll let Philip comment on this because I know he's very much more diverse in the IndyCar than I am, but I don't want NASCAR to look exactly like IndyCar. Part of the reason why I love NASCAR is because it was different than IndyCar. You know, if I wanted to be an IndyCar fan, mm. I would watch IndyCar. So um, yeah. there's certainly things we could take from that series and good things and bad things. I'm not trying to say that, but those are the two mm-hmm. things I would look at as, for me personally, as a NASCAR fan, that I would look at and say, I'm not entirely sure I want to go that, go that route because uh, it's really got nothing to do with this race weekend if we completely change the rules. What are your thoughts, mm-hmm. Philip? Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. It's a good point you made there. I mean, that's strictly for Indianapolis when they run qualifying for the five, Indianapolis 500. Uh, what I was thinking based on the point you're trying to make there, I was thinking, okay, let's separate the groups and let's make, you know, instead of having one massive group, we could go and make, you know, like the top, whoever, the top half of the practice has X amount of time and then the bottom half of the practice has X amount of time and whoever's the fast, like if you have to put up a lap, whatever your lap is. And if you're X amount or if you're on the top 24 or the top 20, then you go to the next round, then you cut down to the top 10, you know, kind of like the way they do, they split into two groups and then the top four, top six out of each group goes to the top 12. And whoever the top six goes to the Firestone Fast Six, I think that would be a little bit. Uh, it would be somewhat of a fix. It's not going to fix the fact that when you go on a big racetrack, that they're going to insist on sitting there till the end of time. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it would. I think you limit the amount of time that you can during the sessions, and you cut down the number of cars that are in each session. That would probably, you know, limit some of the shenanigans. Uh, putting a new mode, putting a different horsepower package on there, it would be going back years and years ago when they only had qualifying motors. Um, the right. way that the cost, the way when you talk about the cost of the series anymore as it is, what's the difference? There's nobody else showing up to these races anyways. You want to go and run a, run a freaking qualifying motor, they go and run something with 900 horsepower. I'd be interested to see what the difference is with these cars when they run in practice, but then you're making more work for the teams which I think is the worst part is for the guys, the, 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 the gang, the, the, the crew that has to go out there on a week to week basis. That's really who gets it the worst. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I, I kind of like that. You know, that's how it used to be in the nineties. Like you said, with the qualifying engines, I wouldn't totally be against that point. Um, I'd have to think about it, honestly, Ben, to be honest with you about uh, your point there. And maybe when next, I'm sure by Wednesday, we'll know how we're going to qualify at Texas. If not, I think that's a major mm-hmm. issue. Um, so during Wednesday show, we'll probably uh, allude to that and talk about um, what they could have done if, differently when they announce what they're going to do at Texas Motor Speedway. So be sure be sure to listen, tune in, and call in again on 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 Wednesday mm-hmm. or Thursday show. Thanks a lot, Ben. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. That's Ben from Winston Salem. Some interesting stuff there for from him. Um, but to get back to today's race, guys, and to break down today's race, you know, we talked about Kozlowski and Chase Elliott. Really having a good day. Another driver I was very impressed with, Spencer. A couple of drivers here I was very inspe- impressed with were the guys third, fourth, and fifth. You had Kyle Busch in third, and he didn't really have a great race car all day. Didn't lead a lap today. Was never really contending for the for the lead, um, but was able to finish third. 
they found the handling on that 18 car at the towards the end of that race. So that was a good step in the right direction. Ryan Blaney had a top five car all day. I thought he ran very good. And Hamlin, Denny Hamlin had some issues all day long, um, was able to work his way up. I don't think he ever got the track position he needed to really be a, a threat for a win in this race. But he worked his way up from the rear, past a lot of race cars to finish fifth. So I think those three guys did, did very good, did a very good job, even though um, they weren't really contending for wins. I think those three guys really did well tonight. Yeah, they did. You know, a lot of us probably had uh wish to go out and win this thing, but like you said, he never took the lead. Uh, he never, he had, I mean, cause chase and Brad, they were good. They were good contenders. And, uh, he said they just really didn't have the speed all weekend. He said when they first unloaded, they were quick, but other than that, uh, they just really were off kind of all week. I mean, third place, you know, they say that that's an okay day. I'd take a third place day any day, but you know, he's used to being up front and he never took the lead. So, and Ryan Blaney, he's been on a roll. Um, they've really turned that 12 team around and, uh, Denny, he's been running well this year too. So, um, he has to win the Daytona 500, but he's been uh, up front running well. And, uh, you know, he's so far, all three of those guys look like contenders and through all the way through the season and to be a threat into the playoffs, if you ask me. It's funny because I think when you look at those top five, aside from maybe Martin Truex Jr., those five to me have had, aside from, I'm sorry, aside from Chase Elliott and you replace Chase Elliott with Martin Truex Jr., those are the five that have really been above the rest of everybody else. I think, um, Harvick, you can throw him in there in six because I think he's done very good. But it was a good day for Stuart Haas Racing. Had all four of their cars finish in the top ten today. Um, but when you look at Harvick, he finished sixth. Clint Boyer, seventh. Martin Trix Jr., eighth. Denny, uh, Eric Amarillo, ninth. And Daniel Suarez, a top ten for him. You know, it wasn't the race we'd normally see from these guys. Harvick never really competed for a top t- uh, for a top position there. He was a, kind of a fifth to sixth place car all day. Boyer showed some speed early. But he ended up seventh. I thought Truex did okay. He was up and down all day, finished eighth. Amarola was in the top ten for most of the day. They did okay, Philip Matthew, today, the Stuart Haas cars. And then Suarez, who was a really a 10th to 15th place car all day. I don't think he got higher really than 10th. He wasn't bad. I think he was much better on the longer run than he was on a shorter run. And at the end, that really played into his hand. Um, but not a terrible day for Stuart Haas racing. But just, I think, a, a tick behind the Joe Gibbs in the team Penske cars so far this year for Stuart Haas in general. Yeah, definitely. I mean, considering that Boyer uh, this time last year went and won his first race in a while and the whole celebration with running down and getting his son and getting cash and all that. And it was such a big deal and he lost his freaking mind. He lost his freaking mind today too, but that was because he was feeding on pit road. Uh, He somehow or another got all the way back to seven. They're, they are behind just a little bit, but I think, you know, with Texas coming and then races after that, the point is Kevin Harvick, for considering it's not a typical Kevin Harvick kind of start, we're comparing it even to last year, he's third in points. And he's, you know, got five top tens out of the first six races and three top fives. It's not as good as Kyle Busch of course, or, you know, some of the other guys like Brad has four top fives. But the reality is it's not the end of the world. I think the the way that Stuart Haas ran last year and how good they were across the board, across all four teams, makes, uh, you know, their performance seem a little bit off. I think Daniel Suarez getting a top 10 finish is not unexpected considering how the 41 has run over time. 
uh, at Martinsville Speedway with uh, Kurt Busch and with mm-hmm. all the different groups GC had. And, and the fact is they're good at the short tracks. Amarillo started second. He didn't really have the greatest car, but he got a top ten out of it. That's what he's been doing ever since he got in that car, really. And then Boyer had two speeding penalties. Somehow or another got all the way back to seven. Harvick just held on, and he was just the best of the rest. I think in time, and by the time you get to September, they'll figure it out because that's basically what they've done ever since 2014. Yeah, I agree. Because and it, and the, and that's an interesting point you brought up because I don't think they're so far off to where they're not going to find it. Like there's teams yeah. I'm worried about. We'll discuss it a little bit. There's teams I'm worried about where I'm like I don't know if they're ever going to find it because they're so far off right now. Where Stuart Haas is sort of like, okay, you know, in a couple of weeks they could be running really good and say, okay, remember when we were talking about them not having much speed? They found it. They're just a, a tiny, tiny bit off from the team Penske's and, and the Joe Gibbs right now where, where they really, those are the two teams that really seem to be out there. And I know Chase Elliott finished second today and he deserves to have a, uh, uh, be commented and, and, and praised for his run today. I thought he ran tremendous, but his teammates struggled and we're going to talk about them here in a little bit. Uh, you had Austin Dillon, who I thought ran very good, finished 11th spot, um, started 29th, worked his way up through the field, did a very good job. Kurt Busch in 12th. Interesting run there for me. Um, when you look at Kurt Busch's day, I think a lot of people might have expected him to do a little bit better than that, uh, just because he's had such a strong year this year, and he never really ran in the top ten. I don't know. I don't think he got many stage points if he got any at all. Uh, no, he didn't. So he was kind of like fifteenth to twelfth all day long. Not a great day, but not a horrible day for him. And then uh, I think the out of board of the day goes to Ty Dillon, and I've been really, really hard on this team all the last two or three years been extremely, extremely hard on Matt Borland, extremely hard on Ty Dillon, extremely hard on Jermaine racing today. They deserve some credit. Uh, I was shocked to see them on the lead lap with about 200 to go. And I'm going, wow, they're competing. They're battling for position with those guys. Cause usually they're two or three laps down at that point in the race. So uh, a step in the right direction for Ty Dillon, that has to feel very good for that organization. Uh, and then you had Alex Bowen, 14th, 15th, Paul Menard, Ryan Priest, who ran a pretty good day, 16th. And then it was Bubba Wallace, Kyle Larson, Joey Logano, and Matt Benedetto in 20th. A couple of guys that really stand out there late, Spencer, are Joe, or Mac, or excuse me, Bubba Wallace, who I thought ran a very good race today. Again, on the lead lap, that's a much better run than they've been having in that 43 car. Um, I think he was, he was better at times today than 17th, but I'm sure they'll take that, stop the bleeding. Uh, they were in the conversation there for a top 15, so a decent run for them. Uh, Kyle Larson, you know, not really a, a great day for him either. He didn't get uh, any stage points at all today. Martinsville, we, we documented earlier last week how he struggles at Martinsville Speedway. They continued today. And I think the biggest surprise on this list was Joey Logano, where you have both of your teammates up there in Kozlowski and in uh, Ryan Blaney competing for top fives. And you sat on a pole in that 22 car. And he just can as the race went on, they just seemed to lose the handling worse and worse on that 22 car. So, Spencer, I think uh, of Larson and Logano, those are the two you scratch your head a little bit about today and go, ooh, tough day for both of those guys. Here's, but we know Larson, and yeah, I agree that, you know, with the teams they're with, they, those aren't the spots that they are used to running in. But this track does not fit Kyle Larson. It just, it just does not. We talked about this last show. This is and he knows, I'm sure he knows that he just cannot get around this place. And you said Kyle Bush, he struggled here too. And look what he's been in. It takes time. 
And uh, so he's he still has to figure this paperclip out, that's for sure. Uh, I just think it's not, you know, uh, the track for him. And that's, what, that's why it resulted in an 18th-place finish. Now, for Logano, you know, he's won here. Um, he sat on the pole. So they just they just missed bad. And I heard somebody say they had their car probably just set up for qualifying, and it didn't transition into the race. And they said he had a short-run car, but he lost it within, like, five laps. He only led five laps. So, um, you know, it's shocking compared that he was on the pole and he was a threat to win this race and where he finished, uh, I think that shocked a lot of people. And hopefully it doesn't transition into the playoff race because if he's in the playoffs, you know, he needs to run well and he can't finish 18th or 19th, sorry, if he's uh, in the playoffs come October. So those are, yeah, exactly. Two uh, two teams that kind of, like you said, scratch your head about and wonder why they finished there. But I think we all know why Larson finished there and, Logano just was not on it today after the green flag dropped. Yeah, well, you brought up a good point, and and this is what I was going to talk about here was the playoffs. When this race comes in October, I think that's what you got to look at is October and think about how much how important this race is when it gets down to the playoffs. You talked about it last year how Logano moved Truex out of the way, and that propelled him into the play, into the championship race. That's an opportunity for these guys, and and especially Larson and the Chevrolet, you're going to want to do better than that because right now the Chevys don't really be, seem to be performing on the mile-and-a-half tracks. So these shorter tracks, these Bristols, these Richmonds, these Martinsvilles, you're going to have to go out there and prove that you can run at these racetracks. And eventually the excuse of, well, he's still kind of new, is going, to, is going to wear off for me on Kyle Larson because this is what probably a seventh or eighth start now at Martinsville, and he's still not really getting around the place very good. Um, so... There's time to improve that, no doubt about it. Simulation work, it's different because you don't tr- test as much. I think this would be, if they had testing open, I think this would be a place that Larson should come and test that, no doubt about it. But, um, you know, it's tough. It's it's really tough. But I think Logano and, and Larson hit on the head that they have to perform better when it comes to October. How about you, Philip? Anything from anybody from 11th to uh, to 20th that stands out to you? I, I mentioned Ty Dillon. I thought he ran very good. Bowman was decent today, not a great run. Uh, I thought Priest did okay for his first Martinsville start. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, Priest, because of his modified background and the kind of, you know, tracks he's he's really been good at over the years in his career, I figured he would have a good run. And I think he started out well and stuff didn't work out. And he got a lap down, got his lap back with a lucky dog and was able to get a 16-place finish, a 417. Uh, with A.J. Allmendinger, has been pretty solid there over the years. Uh, you consider Alex Bowman. I mean, I was gonna. it's going to be a conversation we're going to go into, I think, in a couple minutes. But that's yeah. where they run. I mean, it doesn't really matter what the racetrack is. That's where they, they've ran this way since about 2016. And so it doesn't really, to me, it's not a shock. That's what the 88 is. Um, and it's not really going to change unless they change a driver or crew chief or both. That's what they are. Uh, Ty Dillon getting a 13-place finish is huge. And, and Austin Dillon, they completely crapped themselves in qualifying, and they usually they qualify well, practice well, and then go backwards. So I think they should just do what they were doing. They go the other way. It's better to do the Jeff Burton than go and do the Ryan Newman. And yeah. Jeff Burton was never known as a qualifier, but he'd always get up front. And Austin Dillon's kind of figured out how to run Martinsville and Ty has had his moments at Martinsville. One of the only places where it seems like they've been able to figure it out. 
I personally think he, if he had a better crew chief or a different crew chief, he'd probably do better. But then when you consider that RCR is so far behind, the fact that they get a 13-place finish is, is like a victory for them. And for Bubba Wallace, getting a top 10 yesterday in the 22 truck, that's the best run they've had all year. Uh, and then they go and he goes out, finishes 17th today, considering how brutal the start of this season has been and in general what it's looked like for the last few months with that 43 team. Uh, yeah. Getting a 17th-place finish is a pretty big deal for them. And he's going to a track where he got a top 10 finish last year. So, you know, hopefully positive momentum goes in the favor of the 43 and they're able to make something of it. Uh, Larson and Logano struggling. Larson, yeah, definitely if there was testing, I think the guy would be driving like 2,000 laps around there to try to figure it out. Uh, Logano, you know, they've had those moments where they've missed. Uh, they have. When you qualify on pole. It's something that when they talk about him and uh, – his crew chief, that they've had more times than not. There's been times where they've really whiffed, but when you qualify on pole and you've won there before and you whiff like that, it's pretty bad, but whatever, it's April, they have a win. I mean, March, and it's they have a win, so it's not that big of a deal for now. Right, and, that, and that's huge. Up. And that's huge for them because they, they can kind of figure out, okay, what we brought to the racetrack, we don't want to do, let's look at what Kozlowski and maybe, maybe what Blaney brought, uh, brought to the track and kind of go that way for the playoffs race here in October. So, yeah, they could afford to do a little bit more of an aggressive setup this weekend because they are locked into the playoffs. So I, I think um, when we come here, and, uh, and he's proven it before, that he can run and win races here at Martinsville. So uh, when we come in October, I, I expect that 22 car to be okay. Uh, you go a little further down the field, and I don't want to jump in on everybody, uh, but just point out a couple of key guys here. And two drivers that I thought really struggled today, and they got off to a pretty good start this season. Uh, and, and I know this is a race team that's never really been strong here in Martinsville, especially in, the, in recent seasons. That's Roush Fenway, Ryan Newman, 23rd, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., 25th. Uh, not, not strong runs at all. They were Newman was a lap down. Stenhouse was two laps down. Uh, even their Roush Fenway, uh, even the teams that have a Roush Fenway affiliation, Front Row Motorsports, they were awful today too. Um, just they seem to really miss the setup today, those guys. But the teams I want, the guys I want, really want to dive into, and and I know you said you weren't shocked, Philip, by where the third, where the 88 car ran, but how about the 48 Spencer? Um, this is a racetrack where we all kind of said, oh well, this might be where Jimmy Johnson gets good, and this is the second week in a row we've seen this 48 team go out there and put up good, strong qual- uh, practice laps, a decent qualifying lap, and kind of not run very good. Um, they've got one top ten, two top tens this season. Their best finish is eighth. Uh, right now, Jimmy sits 15th in the standings, tied with Daniel Suarez for 16th in the playoffs. Ooh, this is a weekend where, again, where Jimmy was supposed to get well. He did not get well today. Uh, I know, and Byron gets a little bit of a break because he's still young. But man, oh man, I, it seems like this is a bro- well, I'm a broken record. And we're talking about this every week. What went on with that 48 car today, Spencer? It's it's not just this year. It happened last year, and I told you over text during the race. They even struggled in 2017. Yes, he had three wins, but they still were not on it in 2017. I don't care what anybody says. The three wins, yeah, that's great. That saved their, you know what, to making it look like a terrible season. They ran better in 2018, 
but they have struggled really for three years, and that's unlike a seven-time champion in Jimmy Johnson. Um, but I don't know. Like you said, they just have not been on it. You know, they show good speed and practice and do great in qualifying, but when it comes to the time for the green flag to drop, they choke. And that's unlike Hendrick Motorsports, and you cannot blame it on the Chevy much longer. I mean, that Chevy cannot be giving them that much problems. You know, this is – we're in our second year now. I mean – I don't know. I really don't. It's kind of mind-blowing that we were talking about it. You just you don't expect it, that team to run like that. And it's not Kevin Mendering's fault. They ran terrible last year with Chad Canals. So, I don't know. Um, it's kind of mind-blowing, and you definitely don't expect that team to run as low as they do. And let me tell you, if they keep running as low as they do, they're going to find themselves outside the playoff spot, that's for sure. And it's going to happen fast. Yeah, that would be shocking. But I wouldn't be – I mean, I, I shouldn't say it would be shocking – but if you had told people that five years, two years ago, that the 48 would be out of the playoffs, I think they'd be shocked. Philip, is there anything that can be done, in your opinion, right now with Hendrick Motorsports? I mean, again, I know we saw Chase Elliott, and I, and I want to talk about that because it's so interesting to me. And I think Jeff Gordon talked about it. And I know Jeff has close ties to that organization, especially with Alan Gustafson. But I think Alan Gustafson is the key there, where he said, you know, he's got an engineering mind. And that just seems to me, and I know Chase Elliott's a very good driver, but I think the other guys at Hendrick are pretty good. I don't think Jimmy Johnson just woke up one day and said, oh, my gosh, I forgot how to drive a race car. I don't think William Byron, when he got to the Cup Series, said, oh, my gosh, how do I do this? I don't know what I'm doing. It just seems like, and if it was one guy that was out, if Jimmy was the only one of that team that, that struggled all week, I'd say, okay, well, Jimmy lost. Jimmy's lost it. Um, it just seems like when the Hendrick Motorsports cars perform well, it's only one car, and it's Chase Elliott. And that goes back to last year when we saw Chase win three races. It goes back to today when we saw him run very good. And I think the the difference is Alan Gustafson. Um, so a, a guy who a lot of people, when he was early in his career, kind of said, oh, well, you know, he really doesn't know what he's doing. I, I think he's the head crew chief there right now at that team. So I guess what I'm asking you, Philip, is, is there anything else that can be done for Hendrick Motorsports in the middle of this year here um, in – how bad does it have to get before we see some major changes in that organization? I mean, that's a, I mean, it's a very good question. I, I thought about this thinking about how bad <clears throat> Jimmy was today and considering how great he's been there. I think there's only a, like a handful of drivers that have won more races at Martinsville than he has. And for him to be completely out to lunch uh, was pretty is pretty bad. And this is like, you know, I was trying to let it go and be like, you know, I'm not going to like the side. We're not going to go and hit the siren and go and say, Oh, this is bad. You know, there's a big issue. Like this is, this is bad. But I also look at it, you know, the greatest drivers in this sport have fallen off. And I mean, you say it may not be a fall off, you know, like Jeff Gordon had years where he didn't win a race, you know, Jeff Gordon kind of went away. People want to I, I debate it on the one page. Or like, oh, he was always a contender. He wasn't always a contender. Um, Tony Stewart, after he won his championship in 11, basically disappeared. Uh, Richard Petty basically spent the last eight years of his career being irrelevant. Daryl Waltrip, as much as he yaps and annoys people with his irrelevance and being annoying and biased for Toyota and his obsession with Kyle Busch, was irrelevant basically after 1985. Uh, he won a f few races here and there, but he was irrelevant. 
So is it possible that after all these years of greatness, after five straight championships and, you know, seven total, that Jimmy Johnson has hit that wall? Possibly. Um, is it possible that Hendrick Motorsports has somehow or another let themselves get that far behind? I mean, it's to me, I don't get how they could have missed not only Chevrolet in general, when you consider how Chevrolet and NASCAR for all the years have been together, that they could be so far off of the car. And that after a year of running and all the stuff that they went through, that not only did they not make any improvements, they might be worse now than they were last year. That's, to me, the that is as much to do with it as anything. The fact that Jimmy Johnson might have finally hit a wall after as great as he's been after all these years isn't as shocking to me, even though it is, it is interesting, uh, as right. the fact that Chevrolet as a manufacturer has completely whiffed on a race car to a point where none of their teams are competitive or virtually none of their teams are competitive. Um, what has to happen? The fact is I thought about this also. Junior Motorsports, after the last few years, how dominant or how good they've really been, they aren't really that good this year. And so I'm like, it's it's kind of going across the board, across both organizations, that they're not really that good. You think about GMS. They're not as good this year as they have been in previous years. So I think it's across the board. You see this Hendrick Motorsports kind of connection and teams that are connected with them. The productivity isn't really there. So there has to be a real aware, like there has to be a real evaluation, you know, before we get to Easter break. They're going to have that Easter weekend off, and, you know, they're going to have a couple more races there. There's going to have to be an evaluation on what's going on before we get there. I totally agree. Listen, and you and you bring up a good point about the Camaro. We can discuss that at length until we're, we are, you know, sick of hearing the word Camaro. But um, today I don't think – I think the biggest problem with the Camaro might be that they had some aerodynamic problems with that race car. And when they built that car in 2017, we didn't have the uh, the Hawkeye system that we have now to, to measure the race cars. And I think they thought there might be some gray areas to play with that they can't play with. So I think that's a major issue for them. But the fact that one Chevrolet finished in the top 10 today and you had six Fords and three Toyotas, and Toyota, that's half the Toyota teams, uh, more than half the Toyota teams, finish in the top 10, I think that's a, that's a major red flag at a track that isn't aerosensitive at all uh, at Martinsville. So um, it's a problem. And, and I think that's the biggest problem is the fact that if they were coming out here and you said it's an aero issue – you he really should show up at, at the at the mile and a half tracks. You'd really see it show up there. Um, you know, you wouldn't see it show up um, at short tracks because that's the arrow mm-hmm. issue. So, at the end of the day, I think um, it, it's alarming, and who knows what they're going to do. But man, I think it has to change. I really do. I think if they don't change and fix what they're what they're doing with the setups of these race cars and Hendrick Motorsports, we can see some major changes, and I think it might even happen in in season. So uh, that's why I keep harping on this, guys. I just think it's 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 a it's just shocking to me to watch an organization that was so dominant for so long now just have one car that really runs good every now and then. That's that's basically what it is. Byron didn't run good today at all. I know they had some issues where they wrecked in qualifying and they had to um, start to rear and they worked their way up and finished and did okay. Inspection too. Right, failed inspection, so they had to go to the rear. 
And they did okay in the middle part of the race, but again, I think they lost the setup. And that's Chad Knauss losing the setup here at Martinsville. That's scary. That's scary. And I know Byron's not a, not a veteran, and he's probably still learning at Martinsville. But uh, he didn't, they didn't run good last year with Jimmy Johnson here at Martinsville either. So, um, And that's Chad Knauss, of all people. So maybe a, a fresh new set of guys there, who knows, is on a horizon for that organization. But who knows? But, man, oh, man, it's uh, – it's becoming a major, major concern for that organization as we move on here in 2019. 917-889-8280, Talking in Circles, Clayton Colville, Philip Matthew, and Spencer Cowan here with you guys tonight. Uh, we're going to move on to the Truck Series race, guys. It was the True North Global 250 uh, at Martinsville Speedway. Uh, Kyle Busch, whenever he goes in the Truck Series race, you have to pick him to win. And guess what? He did again on Saturday. Letting, leading 174, the race is 250 laps. Ben Rhodes finished second, a nice effort for that team. Then it was Brett Moffat, Ross Chastain, and Stuart Friesian in the top five. And um, Spencer, I know we discussed this at length about how good Chastain was. Uh, I think that, it, and I know Kyle went out there and dominated, and you should give him a lot of credit for that, but um, I think that Chastain's performance in that Nice Motorsports Chevrolet was something really to watch because he led 53 laps, and, and I think the car, the truck went away there at the end for him. Um, but for the middle part of that race, he was he was putting pressure on Kyle Busch and uh, passed him at one time. So it was a really, yeah. really uh, another performance from Ross Chastain where he really opens your eyes and you go, man, what an unbelievable uh, talent that guy is. Yeah, you know, I don't know about Phillip, but me and you are very high on him. That's for sure. Um, I think he's an incredible race car driver. I wish he would could be at the Chip Canasty deal, but you know that's in the past. But I he does definitely doesn't deserve to be in the equipment that he's in. That's for sure. But uh, yeah, yesterday in the truck race, I was pulling for him hard, and uh, it sucked when Kyle Busch got to his back bumper because he had a short run truck, and you know the laps, you know the short runs kind of that we started having longer runs. Um, but yeah, for that small team to go out there and run the way they have, they uh, they've ran well, top ten in all four races so far that they've done, and that shows something that it's a good little team. They got their stuff together, and plus having Ross Chastain behind the wheel, that's that's not hurting them either. So, um, I feel like I don't know if you guys disagree, but I feel like if he could have maintained that second position with the two last cautions coming out, since he had a short run truck, I think he could have had a little bit more form. But uh, Rhodes was also – he had a strong truck, too. I don't know. I just feel like he could have maybe had a better shot if he could have maintained the second position. But uh, fourth place is a phenomenal finish, led 53 laps. And the kid is an incredible talent. And I, it's just a matter of time. Me and your brother was actually talking. And it's just a matter of time before uh, he gets a ride where he can go out and compete and, for a championship and win races. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, you know, the good news, if you're a Chastain fan, there's news – Actually, I don't know if it's confirmed or not, but it looks like they've added a fourth race to that 10 car for Chastain at Talladega. So he'll run Talladega in that 10 car in the Xfinity Series. Just a little side note there on Chastain. So instead of three three races, which he was originally scheduled for, it's now a fourth race at Talladega for Chastain in that 10 car. For um, Where are they going to be uh, there, I, I know one's Texas, I believe, this weekend at Texas, and it's going to be Talladega. And I, okay. I'm not sure where the other one is. So, um, but I know, I know you're going to see him uh, a couple times in that 10 car here moving on. So, um, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how he does in the Xfinity series because that four car is a little bit behind from where they were a year ago. Uh, but going back to the truck series race on, on Saturday, um, 
how about you, Philip? Anything that stood out in the top five? Friesen took the pole. A dirt track guy, and I talked about this with Larson. I'm not sure a dirt track driver. I'm not sure this fits their style 100%. Uh, you sort of have to be finesse, and I, I feel like a dirt track driver, when they're more on a throttle and you could be more aggressive, I feel like that plays into their hands a little bit more than what this racetrack what you need to get around this racetrack. So he finished fifth, not a terrible day at all for Friesen. Right now he actually I leads agree. the points. Uh, he leads the points over uh, Glenn Enfinger by four. So he's had a very good year. Just out, can't, just can't find victory lane. But uh, anything else that stands out for you, Philip, in the top five there, whether it's uh, Bush, Rhodes, Moffat, Chastain, or Friesen? Yeah, I mean, that's I mean uh, what you guys are talking about with Ross Chastain in this last. <clears throat> I mean, he drove. I mean, I'm looking back. I mean, he drove for, I think, Brad Keselowski a few years ago in the in the 19 truck. And I didn't see – or, no, he drove for Bobby Dodder. Yeah, so he had a full year driving for Bobby Dodder the one year in the truck series. And I remember him driving for Brad, I think. It was he was part-time with Brad. Yeah, he was part-time, part-time yeah. with Brad. And he was part-time with Brad Keselowski the one year. And I never – I never thought, I mean, he had some good finishes. He started on pole at Iowa one time. He got a couple second-place finishes. And I never thought that he would be the, he would have come to this point how many years later, and he'd be this guy, like he's the next big thing. I mean, I, I honestly think it's really cool, and it's sad that that whole DC Solar deal went went to went to went into the dumper. But, I mean, he would have been the favorite, I think, to win this cha- that championship if he had had that ride and the way he's running in this truck, Nice Motorsports, yes, they have a GMS Alliance. And while I said that GMS is kind of a little bit further off, meaning because I think Sauter was a little more out front, uh, yeah. they're able to be, that, that 45 truck has been competitive every single race. Brett Moss is actually third in points early. Uh, the 44 truck's going to fall out because of who they have driving it. Oh. Sheldon Creed had a rough day. They had a rough day um, yesterday. He was getting nailed by everything. He had everything but a pinata. And then uh, he, so he fell out of the the top eight as of now. But, you know, it's early days. It's only four races into the season. So and there's only, uh, what does it amount to? There's about 11. There's, you know, there's really 10 legitimate trucks for eight spots, and only one spot's really locked up at the moment. And so, I mean, that's the... The, the reality is we knew what was going to happen more than likely uh, on, well, when the, the entry list came out. So that happened. Ben Rhodes getting a second place finish, solid day for them. They've kind of had some, they've had, a, they had a rough one of the races that didn't work out so well for them. And uh, otherwise they've had two top fives since then. So, um, I mean, they're, they're, they're solid. That 45 truck, if they were running full season for a championship, it would be a problem. Uh, because Chastain, I think, could win this championship, honestly, and it would I, it would probably be better for him if he went and ran this truck and ran all year, because I think he could probably win races in this thing. Yeah. The only way he's going to make the playoffs in that in the Xfinity is if he wins a race in that 10 car, and even if he does, it doesn't. he's going to get eliminated first round in, yep. in the playoffs, so I don't really know about that, you know, but we'll see. Yeah, uh, and you brought up a good point. I'm not. Th- I don't want to get too far off topic here, but about his run at Kozlowski in 2013, that season started off tough. I mean, he had some bad luck in that in that truck, and and I feel like if he 
If you look at the, the second half of that, of that part-time schedule he ran for Kozlowski, it was way better than the first half. And um, if he had sort of flopped that, by the time they, he started running good and really performing well, they already had, I think it was Austin Terrio in that car full-time the, the following year, uh, or maybe even Chase Briscoe. I can't remember who he was replaced with. But, um, you know, I was like, man, if he just ran better in the beginning part of that year than he did later in the year before that deal was put up, he probably would have ran that truck full-time, and who knows where he'd be today. Ford probably would have, would have signed on with him and said, let's get this kid in, and, and who knows where he'd be today. Um, but things happen for a reason. Everything happens for a reason, and, you know, he's still in the truck series. And, and you're right, Phillip. I think he would win the championship, run Reddick. the championship, and, and probably win it if he was in this truck series. It was Reddick. Thank you. Tyler Reddick. That's exactly who it was um, that, that replaced him. And so, yeah, you know, Chastain's an unbelievable talent. I would love to see him get a victory in that 45 car truck as the season goes on. Uh, other guys at Martinsville at, in the truck series, sixth place was Myatt Snyder. Then it was Grant Enfinger, Matt Kraft, and Johnny Sauter. And you mentioned earlier, Philip Bubba Wallace, the 10th place run for the uh, a- AM racing team there, um, doing a nice job getting them at really the points they needed to um, perform well. But a couple of guys I want to I want to talk about here quick. Um, Harrison Burton in the 11th, you know, he's a short tracker, still learning how to do it. And Todd Gilland in 15th, you know, as, as much as, as well as Kyle Busch has run in his Kyle Busch motorsports team this year, you know, uh, I, I think we can all can kind of say right now, the two drivers they have in the, in those trucks haven't really performed the same way, nearly close to the same way Kyle Busch has. Now it's still very early in the year. Martins was a very, very tough racetrack. Um, but an eighth-place run for Harrison Burton at Atlanta, a fifth-place run at Las Vegas, and 11th at Martinsville for Harrison Burton. Not horrible by any means, but the driver that they want really to pick it up after he ran 19 races in there last year and only had nine top-10 finishes, uh, and you expect a little bit more from because he had those 19 races last year, is Todd Gilland. And Kyle Busch was very critical coming out and saying, you know, we want to see more from him as the season goes on. And he's failed to register a top-five in these first three races uh, only led one lap, and that was at Daytona. Ended up 19th, and he crashed. Everybody crashed there except for maybe four guys. But uh, at ninth at Atlanta, uh, seventh at Las Vegas, and a 15th at Martinsville. Um, so those guys, guys, I think a lot of people expected Yoland and maybe Harrison Burton to compete for a championship this year in that truck series. I think they're going to have to step up their game a little bit if they really want to be serious contenders because right now they're they're running okay but they need to get to that next level to be a championship contender uh, in the truck series. What are your thoughts there on that, Philip? Yeah, I think now that we've gotten over this whole chasing 200 nonsense and uh, that they're, that Kyle Busch isn't really going to have that many more races to run, I think they'll be able to actually invest their um, energy in what matters now, which is their two drivers that they run full-time and trying to get the most out of them. I think Harris. I mean, the fact is, they they've led two laps combined between the two of them all year. Um, when you look at the rest of the field, that isn't Kyle Busch. You look at Austin Hills, the leading driver in terms of laps led. I mean, so I mean, if you don't, if you're trying to discount, if you discount the Kyle Busch, there hasn't been a whole lot of productivity out of these regulars. I think now, once they get past this Texas race and whatever, and once they get to the schedule, once they take their time off and get into the meat of the schedule, we'll kind of see how things kind of pan out. I think the Kyle Busch Motorsports trucks have not been that good 
but I also think that they spend more energy on one specific one, um, and that's probably why. Um, I think now that they've moved the focus back to what matters is trying to get both of them into the playoffs. Uh, I think, and because Todd Gillen didn't even make the playoffs last year, and he probably could have, uh, I think it's a bigger problem this year if they miss it because there's legitimately only 10 trucks that that mm-hmm. have a chance to make it. So if he misses the playoffs, it's going to be a real problem for him. I don't see, I don't foresee Harrison Burton having an issue because I think he's steady enough that I think he'll figure it out and he would win a race uh, sooner rather than later. Yeah, and you don't expect him to run as good as Gilliland because he's still learning these tracks, still learning these trucks. So he sort of gets that, well, you know, he's in his rookie year. Gilliland's a little bit different story like you mentioned last year. Uh, anything else, Spencer, that stands out for you from the Truck Series race at Martinsville Speedway? Um, it was it was an interesting race. You had a lot of drivers who failed to qualify for the race. A lot of veterans mixed in with a lot of young kids here. Um, anything else that stood out to you from the from the Martinsville Truck Series race? I thought a very competitive race, by the way, too, as well. Yeah, I thought it was very competitive. I enjoyed watching it. Uh, um, no, not much. I just um, thought it was. Uh, uh, great race, you know, a lot of action. You know, it's a typical Martinsville race. Um, you know, I thought some guys had some decent runs. You mentioned Myatt Snyder, you know, obviously Ross Chastain, Shocker Cobbush won. But other than that, no, not much. Uh, I was a little um, shocked with – I thought Sheldon Creed would run a little bit better here, you know, 17th off for that team. But other than that, no, yeah. not much. Uh, a lot of these guys I've never even heard of, quite honestly. Um but that's how the truck series is when you come to these short tracks. A lot of teams enter because they know they have a better shot at winning than like at a mile and a half. So, um, no, I enjoy short track racing and um, just uh, another truck race in the books. Pretty much. Yeah, it was interesting. Well, it was interesting. You had three truck uh, cup guys in it, and Austin Dillon finished uh, 13th in the Nemco car. Bubba Wallace was 10th, and then Kyle Busch, of course, the winner of the race. Um, and they kind of took rides that. You know, Nemco's a good team, but uh, at least Bubba Wallace, you know, that, that uh, AM racing team is a little bit as, uh, a work in progress, that team. So, something to see them. Are you at all worried about, from the Truck Series, Philip, about Thor Sport? I mean, last year they didn't have a great year because they, they kind of transitioned to Ford, and I felt like that was very late in the season for them to transition to Ford. Um, but, I mean, Sauter had some issues all day. Crafton wasn't great. Grant Enfinger... I know he ended up seventh, and that, that's a solid day compared to where he was. But, you know, there was one time where he was found himself a lap down or two um, in that race. So uh, are you at all worried about where this Thor Sport racing team is here in 2019 as far as whether that they can they can run for a championship? They got almost five teams on a regular basis. Snyder's running here and there. But uh, what are your thoughts on Thor Sport? No, I think that I mean it, it also goes. I think it's the same thing. Once this, once we get Kyle Busch out of this deal, we're gonna really understand where all these trucks are at and who's solid. I mean, the fact that Crafton hasn't run as well as he has in previous years is kind of I would be a little bit concerned. But the fact is, when you look at the points as of now, early in the season, Thorsport is second, fourth sixth, eighth, and then you consider that, uh, you know, this um, Myatt Snyder has only run two races, 
and he's ahead of a, a few. Uh, uh, he's ahead. No, he's not ahead of anybody that's run every race. He's only a point behind a couple that have. But the reality is, I don't think that it's I, it's just too early. I think to be concerned because uh, we'll see what they do next week. They're going to have a month off, so after that, you know, we're going to finally figure out what's going on. I think when they'll be able to build on some of the stuff that they learned over the early part of the season, um, I would be the later we go into the season, once we get into June and July, when it gets to that borderline, once it gets around the playoff time, then if they're not performing as well, then we'll see. But um, I think the Thor sport team should be fine. I think they're in a better place this year than they were last year. And uh, now that they have Johnny Sauter back in the fold, I think it should help them overall but we'll see what happens yeah i i agree with you and um interesting little schedule change for this truck series this year that not a lot of people are talking about and if philip you brought it up they're going to texas next weekend and that race was always sort of um pushed back to where the end of november race they always ran texas right before phoenix at homestead for whatever reason they decided to move texas to this weekend with the cup series and the xfinity series make this weekend a triple header weekend. So all three series are at Texas Motor Speedway. Trucks Friday night, uh, Xfinity Saturday, Cup on Sunday. Um, and, and that race in November for the truck series at Texas is gone. So that'll be only a double header weekend. Maybe it's just there was too many races in a row for the truck series. That's probably what my guess was. They had they always ran five in a row at the end of year um, at Talladega, Martinsville, then Texas, Phoenix, and Homestead. So they probably made that change. But the interesting part is they're going to go to Texas and again uh, there's only three races between both Texas races now, Dover, Kansas, and Charlotte, and then they're back at Texas uh, on June 7th. So um, an interesting part to that schedule there um, in the truck series. But I agree with you. I think when we look at this truck series, you know, it's going to change a lot um, once Kyle Busch is out, and we can really see who's going to win a lot of races, who's going to compete for championships, and et cetera. Um, I want to get your opinion here, Spencer, before we wrap up and fill up too. So, uh what did you guys thought on the racing overall this weekend at Martinsville? Obviously, it's a short track, so that uh, I think that automatically bumps everybody's, you know, the the low bar up a little bit. But what did you think of the racing this weekend uh, as a whole, both Xfinity, or both trucks and Cup here at Martinsville Speedway this weekend? Uh, I'll chime in real quick. You know, I like I said, I thought it was good. I thought there was, you know, it made it exciting, and I would have bought a ticket to go to both of them. Uh, I enjoyed watching on TV. So I imagine the people who bought a ticket to sit in the stands enjoyed it too. And it's short track racing. So it's always good. Like we said, um, I don't really think this package had a lot to do. I don't really think it changed a lot because the speeds aren't up, but uh, yeah, overall I thought it was uh, pretty, pretty good. I thought they put on a show both races. So uh, yeah, I would, uh, I would give it a thumbs up if for both races. How about you, Philip? I mean, only three lead changes sit in the Cup Series race. And, again, I talked about this, I think it was last week or two weeks ago. Some Sometimes somebody just hits on this setup. Um, but I think people would like to see the leader caught more. I don't, Obviously, I don't think clean air makes that big of a difference. But they were talking about that it might have made a little bit of a difference today at Martinsville. Um, so I guess at the I end, did what did you think? Now, I know you're going <laughs> to talk about this Cup race and be – a little bit more excited than maybe most people because it was your guy that was doing the dominating. But as unbiased as you can, what did you think of the racing this weekend at Martinsville? Yeah, I mean, when you consider that there's only three 
leaders in the cup race or four in the truck race, you'd go and say, well, that doesn't sound too good. Um, I think the way to look at it is if you weren't a fan of, you know, the two or the 18 or the 51 in case of the trucks, if you weren't a fan of Kyle Busch or Brad Keselowski, what did you think of the race? Was your driver in it? Did you have a chance during the day? And that's what you have to take from it. And if you're able to say that your driver did something during the race or was able to move up, then you can say, well, that's fine. Yeah, they didn't win, but, you know, at least it's fine. Uh, if they were able to race and they were actually on TV, which is a f- problem for Fox showing anything that isn't the leader because they're morons, uh, they, they, there was racing uh, all over the field. And so, I mean, Martinsville is always going to have that. It doesn't really matter what they try to do, all these changes, all these things. Martinsville is always going to be how it is. And once you bring it up later in the year, it's going to be much more aggressive, as Spencer brought up. And, you know, we're in – that's what it is. I'm, I'll tell you this. This race, the races we had this weekend are going to be a heck of a lot better than what we're going to have next weekend. So, um, yes, you look forward, you take – you take the good with the bad. So we're taking the good from this weekend, no matter what it, how it laid out. And then we're going to a place that should be filled with water and made into the Bassmasters left. Well, uh, yeah, listen, I'm not, especially with the new configuration, Texas, I think it's been, been a real tough race to watch here in the last couple of years. But the positive thing is we got Richmond, uh, Bristol and Richmond after that. So that should be really good. Um, about Martinsville, you know, it wasn't – I don't think anything today – you're not going to take watch this race and say, oh, my gosh, this is an instant classic. Um, but I don't think it was terrible. And you talk about Fox, that they don't really show anything with the leader. But I think they did today, to, to their credit. Today they did, I think, especially um, because the leader was so far out front that we saw some battles. And maybe it's because it's Martinsville and it's so tight um, that we were able to see those battles a little bit better than what we would in the past on, on a bigger track. Um, but – I enjoyed it. I, I did. I, I love this type of racing, and I felt like if your car handled really good, you could pass people, and if your car didn't handle good, you couldn't pass people. Um, and I think that's the most important thing where they, this is what people want to see, a good driver, a good team, work their way up if they can, or or if, they, if they're if they struggling, kind of fall back a little bit. And you have to be perfect in this in this racing now because it's so close that, you know, if you're a guy like Clint Boyer or Denny Hamlin and you had some issues on pit road, you – it's going to cost you the race. And it costs, you could argue that um, it costs Boyer any shot of the top five, and it might have cost Hamlin a, a victory today. So um, you need to be perfect. You really need to be perfect in these cup races. And, and Kozlowski today, as good as that team was and as good as that two car was, they executed, executed flawlessly. Kozlowski did on pit road, the team did on pit road, they got him out at uh, first or second every single time, and that was huge for him. And um, that's what you need yeah, to do in these races. To, group for sure. Yeah, that's what you need to do in these races to win. Today, anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what you need to do in these races to win. Now is you need to be, be flawless, and uh, they were absolutely flawless. So I want to thank Philip Matthew and Spencer Cowan again, guys, for uh, a great show tonight. We had a lot of fun breaking down Martinsville, and we'll see you next time here on Talking Circles. Good night, everybody. <laughs>